Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number four of Revelation chapter four. And we're going to be reading from verse four, which says, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And we saw last time that the Apostle John has been uh, given a vision into the glorious throne room of heaven, into the place where God rules and reigns sovereignly over all. And he was the one seated upon the throne. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is eternal God, was the one seated upon the throne. And round about the throne was the rainbow. And that rainbow identifies with the Lord Jesus. And it also identifies with the true believers. That's why it said um, in verse 3, a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And then in verse 4, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting. And that means the rainbow round about the throne was exactly where the 24 elders were. And that is uh, appropriate. It it fits because God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, has saved a people for himself. And these 24 elders are representative of all of God's elect. They typify all the elect that will be saved throughout all time as the number 12 in the Bible points to fullness. And here we have 24, which is two times 12. And the number two would be in view due to the fact that the Lord's people are caretakers of the word of God of the Bible. And and that's also the case all throughout time. But the elders are seated and the word seated is the same word as throne. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting. The The Greek word for seat is the same word as throne. So the four and twenty elders are seated upon thrones. Just as the Bible told us that we will reign together with him. Now, it says in Matthew chapter 19, something interesting that relates to what we're reading here in Revelation 4. In Matthew 19, beginning in verse 27, it says, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that has forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. 
And in this passage, the Apostle Peter is giving voice to some concern. After all, they have been following the Lord and things have not been getting better at all. They've not been um, lifted to a place of authority and rule in Israel, but they have become the outcast of Israel. And and yet they forsook all to follow the Lord. And and where where is the reward? And, uh, you know, uh, of course, what reward is there for sinners? And the Bible teaches us that we deserve nothing. We're worthy of nothing except destruction. Yet uh, God condescends here. He realizes that we're but men. He realizes that Peter is speaking for a great many people and that even though Peter deserves nothing, God has actually determined to give a great and incredible reward to each one that he has saved. And so he uses this opportunity to say that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And, uh, all right, I recognize you forsaken houses and brethren and, and sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake, but you will receive a hundredfold. And in the Bible, the number hundred like a thousand or ten thousand points to completeness. You will receive the completeness of riches that are so super abundant that you are not able to fully grasp or comprehend the incredible depths of the riches and glory of Christ that I intend to bestow upon you. And not only that, not only will you receive a hundredfold, but you will inherit everlasting life. And there is the great and abundant uh, riches of salvation that the Lord is referring to. And you fishermen or you tax collectors, uh, you uh, men who were of really uh, not too much importance or uh most of you 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 didn't have much to begin with in this world i am going to take you common men and i am going to lift you up to thrones to reign with me you are going to rule along with me judging the 12 tribes of israel and can you can you imagine what god has in store for his people as he says in Ephesians chapter 2, and let's go over there in Ephesians 2, in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come 
he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. There is language of our future exaltation, not only our future, but at the moment of salvation, spiritually, God has raised up the sinner and lifted him up to the lofty place of being in Christ, seated together. And again, in the Bible, when it speaks of sitting or being seated, it has in view ruling. Seated in the heavenlies, sitting together with eternal God in Christ Jesus. And that's exactly what we see as we're reading here in Revelation 4. We find four and twenty elders that are round about the throne. Uh, and they are um, seated upon uh, these 24 seats or 24 thrones. And, and God is using them to picture the elect from all ages that are saved throughout all time. Now uh, they are reigning together with the Lord Jesus Christ. The fullness of the Old Testament believers as... The Lord uh, caused Israel to be 12 tribes. Of course, there's more than 12 tribes, but he always refers to 12 tribes of Israel as those 12 tribes represent the fullness of Old Testament believers. And the Lord selected 12 apostles so that they can represent the New Testament believers. And that makes 24 elders that are representative of all of the elect. We read, for instance, a little further in Revelation in chapter 20, in verse 4, it says, And I saw thrones. There it is again. This word, this um, incredible picture, you know, there's not uh, much chance. Uh, actually, if we're honest, there's zero chance for you or me or for uh, the uh, overwhelming vast majority of people in the world to ever rule as a king in this life. We were not born of royal blood. We are commoners. We're, we're just typical men and women. We, we were not born into a royal family of earthly kings and and so we have to live our common life. A very, very few people in the history of the world have been born of royalty. A few have, but very, very few. And and so isn't it really just beyond our comprehension that the great king of all kings, he is king of kings and lord of lords, which means that all of those earthly kings and all of their uh, their princes and all of royal blood bow down to the God of heaven. He is king over them. He is the one, actually, that sets up earthly kings. And he sets up, at times, the basest of men to rule over provinces and over lands. And all kings and their dominions upon the earth must bow the knee to the great and glorious king of heaven 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it is that king, that superior king, that supreme king of kings, not uh, some minor king, not not some earthly king of some uh, little kingdom upon the earth that uh, maybe endures for a short period of time and then is gone. No, it's not that earthly king that has selected you and I and, and each one of these blessed people, these elect, but it is the great and glorious king of kings that has chosen us out of the world's population, a remnant he has elected to salvation. He has chosen us to be his sons and his daughters. He has made us prophets, priests, and kings of a royal priesthood. We are now adopted into the family of God, and we are granted a full inheritance as sons of God. And God has a plan to have us rule with him in Christ throughout eternity future as he gives us the kingdom. He gives us all of the riches uh, that the future kingdom of heaven has reserved for each one of these incredibly blessed individuals. This is the throne that God has given to each one that he has saved. And it, it, that is just um, far surpassing anything that could possibly happen to us on this earth. You think winning the lottery is uh, is beyond belief. Or if you think of being some long-lost heir of some earthly kingdom would be beyond belief. Well, that's nothing. You could... Uh, you could do that and much more. You could have everything else that the world offers and it would pale, quickly pale in comparison to the incredible spiritual riches that God has abundantly showered upon you and I if we are his people. And here we see in Revelation 20 verse 4, And I saw thrones and they sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them. They were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now you see how God has use this language that we're finding in Revelation 4 of these 24 elders sitting upon thrones, uh, seated round about the great throne of the great king of heaven. It is not incidental at all. It is very purposeful, very intentional. God is using this language to help us understand the wonderful future that awaits once we enter into eternity and and this world is put behind us now all these souls beheaded for the witness of jesus are elect people 
that were saved during the church age and and they are uh seated upon thrones in heaven in other words the the 24 elders were we're seeing in revelation 4 it uh, are these same souls it, it's it's just a different way of looking at it and notice that they live of course they live they live forevermore that that is true life eternal life genuine life not the paltry putrid ugly life of living a temporal season upon earth as as a man tries to gobble up all the sinful pleasures he can and each one is destroying him more and more until his body is so corrupt that it perishes and and then his life is over that's not life that's not living it's living to self living to satisfy uh wrong sinful cravings but that's not life life is doing things God's way of glorifying the one that created us and serving him as he commands us to do so. They lived, truly lived in their lives once God saved them, and now in death they live. God is not the uh, God of the dead, but of the living. They live in heaven and reign with him a thousand years. Now this figure of a thousand years is used to describe the completeness of the length of reign that they are blessed to enjoy with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how long will a redeemed sinner reign with Christ? How long will he live? They live and reign with Christ. Well, they'll live forever. And and that's exactly how long they will reign. They will rule into eternity future forevermore because God has exalted them to uh, grand heights and, and a lofty stature of, of living and reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it also says in verse 5, just to explain how God is laying out these verses, but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. The rest of the dead is referring to the great multitude. They didn't become saved. That is, they were dead that did not live again. They were not born again until the thousand years was finished. And this thousand years is referring to the length of Satan's binding, the completeness of his binding, which would be until the end of the church age, and then he would be loosed. And once Satan was loosed, it would be during that period of loosing that the rest of the dead, the great multitude, would become born again. And then God sums up both groups, the souls that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, that were saved during the church age, and the great multitude. He sums both groups up under the heading, this is the first resurrection because these are the ones, the first fruits and the precious fruit of the earth brought in at the end that experience the salvation of their souls. And then it says in verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. 
that is, all who have had this experience are saved, on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now again, since it's speaking of the believers reigning with Christ, it has to do with that which will uh, be uh, forevermore, and the thousand years now is explaining the completeness of eternity future, the duration of the wonderful reign of God's elect with the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that really a beautiful, wonderful thing that God has done for us? And could anyone have more of a future hope and expectation than the true child of God? Yes, I'm sure, I'm very sure that presently you're troubled. And I know I am. And I'm sure all of God's people are presently at this time, in, during this uh, time period of living uh, in those days after the tribulation, in the day of judgment. It's not easy. It, it can be very difficult. It can be extremely grievous. And we can be cast down and sorrowful and troubled in numerous ways, and and many of us certainly are, especially as God is trying us. He wants to see what we're made of. He, he wants to find out, and he wants us to see. And I believe he wants to put on display to principalities and powers for them to see if we are gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, stubble. And so it is necessary that that the Lord has done this, and he has put us to the fire. And and we can be very weary and, and really struggle from day to day. And yet, and yet, uh, there, there is a great help. Uh, there, there is a great comfort and a great hope. And a great expectation that we cannot lose sight of, that we must not look away from, that we have to keep our eyes on. And that is the promises of the Bible. What God promises. And, and remember, God, uh, assures us. He, he verifies his promises as true and faithful. He verifies his word as absolute, that he cannot lie, that he would only tell us things that will most assuredly come to pass. And and this is why he tells uh, us, those of us who are alive uh, now in this present time, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. And this is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, which has great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. 
Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back my soul, shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Here God is, um, he's speaking to us, and he's telling us, I understand, I understand your trials, your tribulation, your affliction. I understand all these things, but, but continue to trust me. Continue to wait upon me. Continue to look towards me. And, and that day will come. You will receive the great recompense of reward. You will receive the promise. You can be sure of that. And, and the Lord also tells us in 1 Peter 4 and verse 17, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? In that one verse, God has joined together both judgments, the judgment on the church in the first part of the verse and the judgment on the world in the second part of the verse. So he's referring to the complete 10,000 days of judgment. And then he says in verse 18, And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. You see, God, as he crafted these things together, and you can look at the from verse 11 down through verse 19 of 1 Peter 4, and you'll, you'll read language that fits perfectly with our present time. That And God says, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. And then he concludes that passage with that statement, uh, Those that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing. And remember in Galatians, where the Lord refers to well-doing in the context of reaping, in uh, verse 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And this is what we're waiting for, the due season of reaping, and this will come if we faint not. 